NCAA, big controversy maybe on their hands with what's going on in California. We'll get into that. And uh, Dave's going to go apple picking this weekend, so we'll hear from, from him. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman, bearded carcass coming at you here, and glad you are joining us. And how are we doing today, Dave? I will say this about the the NFC, and I I still think the Rams are the top team in the NFC. And just look at the first four games. Now, they beat Carolina, which, you know, after two weeks, maybe that didn't seem to be as, as, you know, a big a win as it has turned out to be. But, uh, you know, they have seemingly righted this ship. Then you look at, uh, you know, they beat the Saints 27-9. Cleveland, which has kind of been a little bit up and down. but uh, And then a a shootout loss at home to the Bucs and I mean, the, the Bucks are probably the best illustration of how crazy the NFC is this year because, you know, one week they look terrible, one week they look great. And you're right, San Francisco may have the the most interesting um, story to tell, and they didn't even play this week. But that tells you about Jameis Winston. That, that's more about the inconsistency of Jameis Winston, I think. Um, because, you know, he looked terrible the week before he played Carolina, played well against Carolina. I mean, that team goes – I mean, they're a little bit like Carolina when last year with Cam Newton. When Cam Newton played well, they, they won. They won their first, what, seven out of the first eight games or six out of the first seven games last year. And then when he was hurt, they, they looked terrible. But I, I think when you look at all the factors, Dave, everybody's flawed. Well, everybody has a bad week. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're going to go gangbusters every week. I, I thought the Patriots were going to be a better than a seven-point win over the, the Bills. Now, granted, Buffalo is a better team, but, you know, th- that game was close, and Buffalo had a chance, you know, the, to, to win that game. Yeah, that's why this is such an interesting story. And I mean, look at Dallas's wins. Giants' first game of the year, which you know Dallas or, or the Giants were still kind of trying to figure themselves out. Then Washington and Miami, and then the loss to the Saints. I mean, to me, Dallas, 
you know, they're a good team, but they're they're not, you know, they're not an elite team. And then, you know, and what about Seattle? I mean, Seattle had wins over Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and Arizona, and their lone loss coming to the Saints. been interesting to see with and Teddy Bridgewater I mean it's almost like what you saw in Carolina I mean people were I mean a little bit better for the Saints right because Teddy Bridgewater at least had a, a bigger body of work I mean he started for the Vikings so you knew he was yeah you're breaking up there Yeah, they look to be in good shape. And, you know, the division, and this may be a good time to talk about the NFC South. You know, we just mentioned Tampa Bay, and they're somewhat inconsistent. But, you know, they put up 55 points on on the Rams, which is a top-10 defense. Carolina looked awful after two games. Quarterback change with Cam Newton going out. And the last two games, they've, what, 18 sacks. They they look pretty good. The Saints, I mean, they're the only team I think you can – Maybe counting out a little bit too early, but you know the Falcons look terrible. I think they would have I, I I had them pegged as a top five defense. Yeah. I didn't I don't know that I would have gone as high as one, but definitely a top five. No doubt about it. And the, the, the deals that Marty Herney made in the offseason, getting Bruce Irvin, even though 
the game on Sunday was his first game, but you know you saw what what he can do. Gerald McCoy coming over from Tampa Bay, that that was a big pickup. But drafting Brian Burns was, you know, he's got a lot of speed on the outside, and you know they're doing this modified defense now, and you have uh, you know another year of Eric Reed back there. So the Panthers, yeah, defensively, um, you know this is kind of like how Ron Rivera and Marty Herney like to win games. Strong defense, you know, you do want that high-powered offense, but as long as the offense isn't making mistakes, which is ironic. Sunday, he had three strip sacks. What have you seen that, Dave? Three strip sacks. And even though the Panthers did get two uh, two turnovers on the defense, they still lose the turnover battle and win the game. Yeah, that's right. Best mustache in the league. Well, and look at the AFC. I mean, granted, it's only four games, but there's eight teams, which is eight out of the 16 teams in the AFC are two and two. six. I still think New England and Kansas City are still head and shoulders above everybody else. And I think with New England, it's just how well Tom Brady has been playing. You look at Bill Belichick and what he's for. I mean, has he played great? No. Has he played well enough to go 4-0? Yeah. With, I mean, look at that wide receiving core with all the issues that they've had. Right? You don't have a Gronk from last year. So the safety blanket from last year is gone. So they've had to kind of totally, not totally revamp it. They've had to kind of adjust their offense. Uh, you know, Elman wasn't 100% healthy on Sunday. You have Antonio Brown, who was there and now is not there. That That's more than just on him, but they're still able to put together a 4-0 record. And you can make the argument, and I think you will make the argument, that a lot of that is due to the defense, and I think that's fair.
But, you know, they've never really had – I mean, they've had good players. Uh, you know, and they did have Randy Moss and, you know, Troy Brown. But even when Troy Brown – you wouldn't have said Troy Brown back in his day was – yeah. No, I, no, I agree. I, mean, I think we're saying the same thing just differently, right? I mean, Brady at times has had high-impact players, but they've never had, like – uh, like a Tyree Kill or, or or guys like that. I mean, it's just rare. I mean, they did have Brandon Cooks a couple of years ago, but they didn't really utilize him. I mean, that didn't that wasn't really a good fit. And he got traded. Yeah. No, I, I was gonna say, Dave. I don't think it needs to be either. You know, I mean, th- that's not. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think they're going to be. I mean, it started off two one and one, but as you said, they took Kansas City to the to the wire. And, you know, we we both agree that New England and Kansas City are the two top teams. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, Matt Patricia moving forward because you know, kind of the knock on Belichick coaches that become head coaches is they they don't really aren't able to really build a successful program, uh, and maybe. Hey, let's. Uh, this might be a good time to, to uh, do our picks. How did we do last week? I, I know how I did. How did you do? Neither did I. By one point. Yeah, you know what? That's going to be an interesting team to watch. Uh, You know, obviously, Sean McDermott, very familiar with him from his time at Carolina. Good, very, very good defensive coach. And you know, it's not easy turning programs around, and that's what they've they've had to do there. And uh, that's a good team. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, that's going to be an interesting return game when they play in New England. Because, um, you know, the Bills aren't – they're not going in afraid of New England. That's for sure. So uh, I'll, I guess I'll start. Now, the line I saw for the uh, Patriots and Redskins, the 4-0 Patriots and the 0-4 Redskins was 16. Is that what you're saying? 15. I like 15 better. So, you know what? At 15, I think I'll, I'll take the Patriots. But I'm going to go with the Patriots. At, at 15, I'll take the Patriots. So I don't know what to make of that, but we'll, t- we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, you know, this is something we've been keeping an eye on. Obviously, you know, we cover Winthrop University. Dave uh, is one of the most prepared college basketball analysts, play-by-play guys that, that I've ever met. And uh, certainly we've worked together for a long time, and we've had a lot of fun covering the NCAA. A um, couple of big stories this year. Obviously, you know, what's going on with Kansas and no update there. But the big news is uh, what California did, Governor Newsom signing a bill that uh, essentially allows athletes in California, college athletes, uh, they're able to uh, make money off their likeness and their image and stuff like that, and it's really sending shockwaves throughout the NCAA. What, um, what's your take on all this, Dave? I mean, it's, it's, it, you can look at it as a huge competitive advantage for California schools, but you know, is this going to force other states to adopt similar similar legislation, or is this something that the NCAA is going to have to finally grapple with?
absolutely. Here, let me play devil's advocate for a minute um, because I do essentially agree with you. The one area this maybe doesn't address, and maybe this is because now we're shifting from the collegiate model to an open model, so maybe this doesn't matter, but are you concerned? Is there any concern about uh, maybe super teams? I mean, we already have super teams. I know that, but it could be the one of the reasons why the NCAA has enacted all these tight reg- regulations is because of you know the boosters and the hundred dollar handshakes. And I know we're making this legal now, but does that create maybe an unfair competitive advantage for some schools as opposed to other schools in, in trying to keep it you know a fair marketplace or a fair competitive balance? And I, the, the, the big winner in all this besides the student-athletes will be lawyers and uh, marketing people because, that, I mean, that's, you're going to open up a, uh, you know, a new, not necessarily a new career necessarily, but there will be more opportunities for, for marketing people to put their products and their, uh, their clients with, you know, top-ranked college athletes. Well, and the other side of the story is because of how much time they put in, you know, like a, a regular student can get a job at a, a bar three, four nights a week or work at a restaurant or work anywhere, work at UPS, and, and have an opportunity to either make money to, to go towards their school or just have spending money. You know, student athletes, no, I was going to say, well, well, to me, my, my, I guess why I'm agreeing with you is, um, you know, why can't these guys have the opportunity to, to make money 
doing something that they're putting a lot of time and effort into to, to perfect their craft, and, and schools are making tons of money off them. Why shouldn't they get a piece of that uh, opportunity? Here's my thing about this, and I'm glad you brought this up, because I've been saying for, uh, and this is not an original idea, um, but I have felt that there, there should be like a sports, you know, like a sports athlete type major where you put in a curriculum where they can, you know, obviously they can have time to do elective studies. Like if they want to do a minor in something, go for it, right? But do stuff like financial management and, um, you know, th- things that are going to help them in their career. Um that, that go along with uh, playing the sport. I, I think that's a good. I, I think that's long overdue, to be honest with me. To, to be honest with you. Uh, to me, that's what this is. What's very interesting the, the, the sports, like the sports major that you're talking about. It, it should be like introductory classes to a bunch of things that can be good skills. You know, for instance, there's so much there's so much now with interaction with the media. You know, why not have like you said, like an introduction to finance, introduction to journalism. You know, give them some skills that they might need moving forward. Make make it make it something that's gonna they're gonna get something out of it rather than something they feel like they have to go and do. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to skin the cat. The, the one thing that... Right.
glad you're listening here. This is the fifth episode of Season 3, and uh, if you haven't done so already, you can go back and check some of the earlier episodes. You can also listen on Stitcher, Dave, which uh, has a new feature. I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this, uh, but you can use the sleep timer on, on Stitcher. So you can go to bed with us on the Bearded Carcast. <laughs> they may. <laughs> if they do, uh, this is great for Insomniac. So you can check out the uh, Stitcher app if you want more information on that. That'll be pretty cool. But we do, uh, it's been fun, uh, Stitcher. So uh, check that out. Of course, always on iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, the other usual methods that you are already probably listening to us on that. But I just wanted to get that plug in for Stitcher. fun so we're taping this on Tuesday and the uh, the wild card is uh, getting started I know you're excited about this uh, I hate to say this because the Red Sox and the White Sox aren't in it those are basically the two teams I'm I'm keeping an eye on uh, one is the childhood team that I grew up with the other one is the affiliate that uh, the Knights are affiliated with the AAA team that I work for um, so I'm not really that jazzed up about this unfortunately which I should be but I know for you, this is awesome because uh, your, your Oakland A's are uh, they're on the doorstep here. With the plan, they're hosting Tampa Bay tomorrow, right? No, and that's been the biggest change in the last 15 years, right, where I think the, the casual fan would, would tune in. I mean, I, there'll be people tuning into the to the games tonight, the wild cards. And, and I think having the, the one-card wild card game is has, you know, generated some interest. And, you know, baseball's trying to do a lot of things to keep people motivated. I, I will tune in. Um, you know, the Rays are interesting. We see a lot of the Tampa Bay players uh, when they're in AAA here. So uh, I, I, I kind of like to see – that team do well, the, the, the big league club, because, um, you know, it just seems like they're the little guy, right? The small market team. I mean, 
they're having a great season, and I'm not saying that they're getting outdrawn by the the best minor league team in the in the in the country, but it's not that far off, you know. Uh, you know that a Triple A team would have almost as good attendance as a as a big league club, um, and, and a team that's doing really well, and it's a fun team to watch. I mean, that, that's um, that's alarming in itself that they're winning and, and people still aren't going. Rays, well, let me, let me back up for a second because I, I want to address the first first piece before I talk about talk about the the roster because um, I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of people would have no clue who uh, some of the position players. Would. Now you mentioned Charlie Morton. You know, people here would would recognize him because of uh, long time being with the Braves, and you know he's he's a guy that's been around forever, right? Uh, but when you look at uh, some of the some of the guys on this roster, I mean, it's you know, Choi's a guy that people are really familiar with. Um, Brandon Lau's a guy that I just would remember him from from coming up through the the organization, you know. The, the, Yeah. No, they're not household names. Yeah. No. And what about Minnesota? Another team that's a great story, but when you look up and down their roster, would the average person know um, the same question? Any of the, any of the guys that are on the, the Minnesota Twins? Yeah, now, C.J. Crone's had a good year, and, and the reason and, – and, and I don't know if C.J. Crone is on the Twins because he's on the Twins. I know it because his father used to – be the manager in Canapolis, so I've always kept an eye on him. So I know he's on the Twins, but um, so that, that 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 so that's my my strong suit. There is is just a personal connection to somebody. But other than that, you know, uh, and, and Miguel Sano, he was um, we saw him with uh, with the Knights in past years, and that guy's that guy's got some some serious uh, some pop in his bat. Nelson Cruz is on that team. 
Jonathan Scope, Mitch Garver's their catcher. I mean, some of those guys aren't exactly household names. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, right. And that, but I think that's what baseball's issue is, and it, it and this is something that you and I kind of had on the on the pre-show meeting, and it, it's probably good. We were gonna maybe bring this up with hockey, but, you know, I don't think um, the question being is every sport a niche sport? And I think yes and no. Not I mean, football's not a niche sport, right? But baseball's becoming one. Baseball's becoming very regional. In other words, baseball's becoming a sport where if you have a major league franchise in your city, that area is very much still involved with baseball. Look at St. Louis, Boston, Chicago, New York, L.A. They're, they're, they're hotbeds, right? Where 50 years ago, you know, throughout the country, people would still be interested in baseball. But now if you don't have – if you're in an area like we are in Charlotte that doesn't have a major league team, uh, I think the interest is, is a lot less. And, and I think in the hinterlands, if you don't have a major league team, baseball has become a bit of a niche sport. He's 13. He likes playing baseball, and he's a Red Sox fan. And if there's a game on, like if I have a game on, uh, he'll watch. Uh, and he'll keep – he does actually keep up with the standings, believe it or not. Like he'll he'll go to like Yahoo or MLB.com and, and keep track of things. But I'd say he's more of the exception than the rule. What's that? Um, I would say sometimes, but more rare than than normal, or more rare than often. But he also like he won't necessarily ask to turn a football game on either. Like he he he's so much um, he's so tablet and phone oriented. Like he'll he, he get that's where he gets all his stuff. No, he watched games, um, and it, it, it's well probably different because we're a sports household like even Sam will have put a game on every now and then you know what I mean so it's not like um, you know sometimes he will ask to say hey uh, or if we're flipping channels and he sees a baseball game or a football game he'll say hey stop here and let's watch that he'll do that but he won't like come into a room and say hey I want to watch this game I like to watch. Uh, I, mean, I like to keep an eye on the Bruins. Um, 
and I'll be honest, I, I, I have a lukewarm interest in the regular season. Obviously, when playoffs come around, that's a different story. But to me, hockey and, base, well, hockey and baseball are different because I think baseball still is more popular in areas where there's not a, a major league team. Uh, but I, but I think it, there, there's some similarities, and I think if, um, especially here in the South, there are not a lot of hockey fans. The Hurricanes are becoming more popular. Um, but me personally, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the Bruins get up, what kind of start they get off to. But I'm, I'm not gonna. Uh, it's not like I don't follow them like I used to. And it, it, it now it is, yeah, I guess easier now because I can keep keep an eye on them online. But um, like you said, there's just so much going on. I mean, just with general life, with being a dad, and this is a plug for the Holy Trinity Bulldogs. They're seven and zero going into the bye week, uh, so they're having a good football season. So being dad and you know starting college basketball, we're starting to pay attention to that. And baseball's coming here, playoffs, and NFL right in the middle of that in college. I, mean, I think it's just oversaturated now, to be honest with you. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's probably a good time to uh, put a wrap on things. But uh, first, you got a big game at Western Carolina coming up with Gardner Webb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a big Apple guy. Well, see, there's two different issues going on here because going now where apples are plentiful is a completely – I mean, it's probably like watching a kid in a candy store for you. So I think that would be fun, just the, the excitement, because you, you – uh, I mean, you're very, uh, you know, energetic and, and high energy, uh, but around apples, like, multiply that, and you get very excited around apples. I think the better thing would be to go in, like, December or January when there's a, a very small limited number of apples to pick from. So I, th- I think that's two different experiences. But I, for Reggie, I think pink, what, what's what's good now? What's I mean, obviously there's a bunch of apples out there, but what's 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 the what's the hot apple right now that this for this season? 
The honey crisp, yeah. Grab bag of anything you want. That might be the title of this podcast today. No, I think it's efficiency is a word you like to use, right? This whole thing that we've done has, has, is born out of us making use of our time going on games. I think what it is is some people maybe don't like the idea of some of the travel that we do just because sometimes we are in the car longer than three or four hours. Auburn was, what, like almost six? We went to Kentucky last year, which was like seven, almost seven and a half. So I don't think it's the experience of the bearded car cast. I think if people are coming with us for like a two, three-hour trip, that's a lot more manageable. And we pack in a lot of fun, and we go to different uh, cultural sites. We've discovered that the train was instrumental in opening up a lot of rural areas in the country back uh, between the 1800s and the in the in the mid 2000s. Uh, and we go to a lot of great places and eat some really fantastic food. And, and we've met a lot of great people doing this. So I think if there's a hesitancy to uh, to repeat coming with us, Dave, I think it's the length of the trip and not the uh, and not not what happens during the trip. Sometimes, um, what's the expression I'm looking for? Uh, Too much of a good thing is not a good thing, right? So, I mean, you you want to enjoy it, but you don't want to have too much of it. Like too much turkey and Thanksgiving. for this week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check us out on Stitcher, iTunes. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Email the show. We love emails, especially if you're not trying to uh, give us $100 million from Africa or uh, any uh, continent outside of the United States. We're happy to take the money, but it it doesn't seem like it's real. But you can email us beardedcarcast at outlook.com and you can always follow us at beardedcarcast on Twitter.